Maniacs. This is your host, Tony Siaglia, the serial killer whisperer. I've got the Coxman here with me to lend a helping hand. Say hi, Coxman. How you guys doing? A lot of murder phoniacs have been asking when we're going to continue our series. Hmm. That's a good question. It is. The answer is no. Never. We can't stand tiny for one more second. (laughs) I'm just fucking with you. We will be posting episode 10 on Monday, January 8th. So mark your calendars because the Coxman and his protege, yours truly, will be back in action. We're pretty disappointed with the YouTube numbers. So in order for you to get the most out of the remaining episodes, I'm telling you, tune in. You won't be disappointed. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, everybody. I am going to give Tony a hand. We're going to try something just a little bit different tonight. Tony has been writing a screenplay for the last few years, and it's based on all the different relationships that he has made with serial killers over the last 15 years. It's titled Madness, and it's registered with the WGA West Registry, and we just want to give you guys a little sample of what the story is about and see if maybe we can get some comments, good, bad, indifferent, whatever. So bear with us, listen closely. I think you're going to like this. Okay. The scene is Special Agent Gregorio's office at the FBI. He had just gotten into work and his secretary and assistant, Ms. Johnson, wanted to tell him about something that happened the evening before. I wanted to tell you about this very charming, polite man who walked into the station just minutes before I was going home last night. We talked for a while, and then he gave me this package, and he said it was a book that he had promised to drop off for you. He mentioned that you and he were good friends, and it went all the way back to your wild college days. Agent Gregorio says, what else did he say, being a little perplexed at this moment? Anything strike you as unusual? Miss Johnson says, he did tell me that he found his mother murdered in her bed, but he was very choked up and he even had tears in his eyes. I came around the desk and gave him a hug. As he was leaving, I remember him saying something like, make sure you tell Stephen that tonight you held the devil in your arms and you watched him walk away into the night. He also told me I was perfect and not to change anything. Miss Johnson exits the door, shutting it behind her, as Agent Gregorio pulls himself up closer to the desk to take a better look at the book. At first glance, he sees that the book was put together cheaply by an amateur and was one of a kind. It wasn't the kind of book that you could go into a bookstore and ask for a copy of, because the one in his presence is the only one in existence. The pages all rested together in between a dark black 
leather book cover. Agent Gregorio noticed that the book was put together so pages could be added. This struck him as odd. Across the front cover in blood red was the title script in Old English text, The Devil's Memoirs. Stephen opened the book up to the first page to find a personal note written to him. Dear Agent Gregorio, how excited I am to finally be able to share this with you. This, in all sincerity, does mean an awful lot to me. For years, you have known me to be many names or whatever the press has dubbed me to be. I guess that all depends on what part of the country I was hunting in at that particular moment. I love the press. They make me shine just like a Hollywood star at times. Except I don't have to wait for a script offer and go through the whole audition process and all the other bullshit that goes along with the drama of being a movie star. I just have to go hunting, pick my target, and just like hunters do, eliminate my prey. That's instant gratification for me and plenty of newspaper articles to my credit as well. And if I keep it up and I kill enough worthless pieces of shit in one area, everybody then freaks out because the press finds the word serial killer on the dusty, dirty shelf and releases it to the public. Now, everywhere you go in and around that city, you see the look of terror in everyone's eyes. Everybody then becomes the secret serial killer. Therefore, if everybody is a monster, it makes it easier for the real monster to find camouflage within a city of monsters and continue bagging victim after victim. Because when people get scared, they trust nobody, resulting in total, complete chaos. I then light up every television screen in America. My mother used to scream at me constantly, preaching that I wouldn't amount to shit in this lifetime. Well, you know, one night, I finally had enough, and I decided to cut her fucking throat. You see, I didn't want to kill her right away, so I held her down on the bed because the last thing I needed was mommy to get up and run around causing chaos. She bled out eventually, but I got my final wish for her. I wanted her to see me and know I was the one that made her drown in her own blood. There was no sadness and no remorse felt at all, but because she was my mother and brought me into this world, I decided to sleep with her that night in her own pool of blood. I guess it was a going away or farewell party for my abusive, alcoholic, drug-addicted whore of a mother. That night was delightful because I didn't have to listen to her anymore. Anyways, the next morning, I loaded her ass up in the trunk of my car, and I took it far away and buried her. What I did for you here is something really fantastic, Stephen. This book is made up of a few of the murders I have committed over the past decade or two. I only put a few in here, just enough to let you begin to taste the blood I have drawn and to feel the pain that I have spread from state to state and all across this great nation. 
the many families I have destroyed by slaughtering their precious children, the innocence I have stolen from so many of America's youth. Sometimes I feel like a vampire. You haven't caught me so far, so hopefully this book will help. Just think, Stephen, I could make you famous. Your best friend, J.J.E. Have you figured it out yet, Stephen? Judge, jury, and executioner. Tony is going to read the first entry of The Devil's Memoirs. The world grows dark as confusion drapes over the cells of my brain. Love. What is love? I cannot feel it, for the thought of the word disgusts me and is light years away from penetrating the very brain of this host. You might not see it or hear it in my voice, but I guarantee you this evil child is scheming and planning something for you. How do you think it is that the devil himself has looked you into the eyes more than once and maybe told you he loved you just to lead you to a most tragic, humiliating early death, laughing because he got away with it undetected one more time. Sleeping comes easy for me throughout the next few months because there are no thoughts whatsoever about the life I destroyed in cold blood. That is what allows me to go on and on and wake up every day and look at myself in the mirror. Say hello, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guessed my name and what I am beneath these good looks and charming smile. Say hello to my conscience, for I am a sociopath and have none. If you catch me at the wrong time, you're sure to disappear, and I will feel nothing for your departed soul. When I was growing up, events and occurrences happened in my life that voided out my ability to feel any emotions. For instance, people get all caught up in the birth of a new baby or the pain of a little dying bird or dog if he or she is suffering. I don't. I may put on an act to show that I have warm blood flowing through my veins in some sort of normal brain function going on upstairs. But I'm really thinking about is breaking the dog's fucking neck right after I get done twisting the neck of the bird around like some kind of top. Stop whining, people, and get on with your day. 
You'll thank me later for putting those worthless, loud, crying animals to a final permanent state of rest. Why must it be this way? Is it right? I don't know. Because this is the only way I know how to live. I'm a sadist and get pleasure off of making others suffer. The way I survive and continue on is by pulling energy out of my victims as they suffer and die by my handiwork. The passing of their souls gives me strength and motivation to continue on in search of my next victim. The only way I'll ever stop is if I die or am captured. Part of me wishes this would all stop and I could break this murderous habit of mine. But that is unthinkable and just not a realistic notion at this time. Sure, I love the beauty of flowers in the four seasons given to us by the spinning of the globe on its axis. I might love certain things, but I don't look after them through the same eyes that you do. My mind is dancing, but not to the same beat your mind rocks to. You feel so good playing with the little perfect family you and your wife built with the added ingredients of hope and prayer for a future of everlasting peace and happiness with each other. Until I, yes, until I decided to pass through their neighborhood one bright, sunny summer afternoon. I see the same family that you saw just seven days before. But they're not playing anymore. In fact, those same eyes that once were so filled with life and the future in mind are now frozen in time, resting eternally in the pool of blood I left them in. Just when you thought your kids were okay, to be left alone for just a few short moments at the front of the store, you would browse through in the local mall time and time again. That short time wasn't short enough. Because all the other times you shopped there, the devil wasn't waiting in the mist for the perfect time to make his move and destroy your family forever. I took my time with them making them happy at first because I had ice cream in my vehicle and you know how kids love ice cream. 
I felt like I was their father. A little almost like I was in charge of them and had responsibilities for once. The feelings of responsibility, to be honest, spooked me. And then I knew it was time for me to take care of business. The boy, oh gosh. The boy was sodomized for a half an hour before I sliced his throat from ear to ear. And then I vaginally raped and sodomized the girl for an hour just 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 to prove that I I wasn't a homosexual. Okay? I'm not gay. I'm not a fucking homosexual. You hear me? When I sliced her throat and watched her life bleed out, I would like for you, Agent Gregorio, to let her parents know that I held her hand the whole time until she went limp. I hope... They think that was a polite gesture on my part. I wanted her to know that someone was with her all the way to the end. Agent Gregorio looks up from the letter he just read and says, Ms. Johnson, I want the crime scene team in here immediately. At the same time, the receptionist sticks her head in the door. Excuse me, agent, I have a phone call for you. His name is JJ, and he says it's very important that he speaks to you now. All right, please put him through in about two minutes. Johnson, get the team in here immediately. Hello, this is Agent Gregorio. Hello, agent. Oh, I've waited a long time for this. Did you get my book? Yes, I did. Miss Johnson gave it to me when I came in this morning. So, did you finish my book? No, no, let me guess. It's already at the lab being dusted. I've been killing for 35 years, detective. And you fucking morons haven't even come close to catching me. Do you really think I would leave a fingerprint or hair follicle? Give me some credit. I'm a professional and happen to care about my work. Well, you know, JJ, I'm a professional too. And it's not detective. It's special agent in charge, Gregorio. Remember that name. Do you know how many crazies we get in here in this office? How do I know any of this crap is even true? Oh, special agent. Sorry. I'm crazy, all right. 
But I can assure you that this is all true. Since you haven't completely read my dossier yet, I'm going to take you to the last page. Do you remember the series of murders in Vero Beach, Florida, around the late 80s? I believe the press dubbed him the Citrus Scalper. Gotta love the press. He was never caught. But funny how the killings stopped. Let me guess. I suppose it was you. Mm, I can't take all the credit. I did have a partner working with me. His fetish was scalping the victims and taking them as trophies. I myself never take trophies because that's how you get caught. So what I've done for you is described in the exact location where these trophies are buried. I even drew you a map so even the FBI couldn't fuck this up. Oh, I almost forgot. My partner loved his trophies so much, I figured it wouldn't be fair if I didn't bury him with his coveted scalps. <laughs> Good hunting, Agent Vale. I'll be in touch. There's complete silence as everyone is trying to take in what they just heard. Receptionist looks in again and says, it's him. What happened? Did you forget to tell us where you are? <laughs> no, no, but I forgot to ask you for a favor. Could you please go to 8435 North Lake Drive in Lake Forest? I forgot to thank the wonderful couple I was staying with for their hospitality. Stayed with them a week <laughs> and they never complained. <laughs> God, I love that house on the lake. Nice talking, but I have to go. Okay, okay. Go ahead, you guys. You can admit that you thought Stephen King wrote that. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> right? That's great, all we great have. Great writing, by the way, buddy. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. That's all we have for today, everybody. We hope you enjoyed just a little sliver of my story of madness. As always... Take care, stay safe, and remember, always walk in the calm after the storm. <laughs>